right, and welcome to another episode of Boots, Balls, and Bras. I'm here with Eartha Pond and Far Williams, and I'm your host, Bex Smith. This week, we are going to be chatting about a very interesting topic, the American accent versus the British one, or the NWSL, the league over there in the U.S., over there, yonder in the U.S., um, and the WSL here in England. And we had, uh, we have had a really interesting chat with Juan Amoros, uh, who I'm sure you guys know if you have been around here in England because he used to coach the Tottenham women's team from 2011 till 2020 and then he went to Betis Houston Dash for a small jaunt and now he's the head coach for New York, New Jersey, Gotham FC. So let's hear what Juan had to say. And don't forget to listen to the end of the pod because we have taken some of your BBB fan questions. We love them and we'll be answering them at the end of the pod. All right, let's hear what Juan had to say. All right, so kicking off our first half with uh, the awesome Juan Amoros from currently Gotham FC, but you've been, you've been around Juan. You, you, some of you may know uh, Juan from Tottenham women's team. You were there for a while, 2011 to 2020. I believe, and then you went to Real Betis uh, for a year, 21 to 22, was at the Houston Dash for an interim, and now you're at Gotham FC in, uh, it's New Jersey, isn't it? It's not New York, right? Yeah, well, Ish. it's both. Like it, in fact, the team is New Jersey, New York, Gotham, so hey. it's like... East side, you're east side. How, how are you settling in? How are you enjoying it? We heard you prefer that to the buses. Yeah, yeah, to be honest, really, really good. Like I think the the club, and that's the reason why I'm here. The ambition that they have, it's amazing. It's like nothing I've seen before. Like the backup from behind the scenes, it's unbelievable, and they are helping in everything they can on the professional level and also on the personal because it's obviously very important. I have a wife and a baby now that I need to take care of, and and they've been fantastic in every aspect. So. It couldn't be going any 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 better. Do you that's think that's awesome. the main? Do you think that's the main um, difference in in the US league to any other league in the women's game? How they actually really do take an interest in the coaches, the players, the well-being, and how they really support that to make it comfortable, so that you're able to do your job comfortably without having to worry about the off-field stuff that everybody seems to think or forget about, you know, when you're a player, you seem to think that it's forgot that you're moving to a new country with a family and, and whatever else. Do you think that's the major difference in NWSL? I think that's a massive difference, you know, like that, uh, not only me as a head coach, but the, and there's another reason of why I've signed for this club. I've been able to bring four members of the staff from Europe, which some of them are coming also with babies, which is, I'm heard of in women's football, to be honest, it doesn't happen. Like coaches, we normally are like long fighters that go around uh, and they've done that with them. Like every player that is coming in, you know, they're taking care of every detail. We have two people like completely centered on player experience and, you know, they, they, they we are going to Florida for almost a month for pre-season. The, 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 you know, I got... Uh, players that have babies and, and staff, they can bring the babies, they take care of the families if they want to come. Like it is a different is it a different world in how they do the things off the pitch. And I think there is other things that they also for me makes it the best at the moment. I think we saw this you know everything that happens last week with the stadiums and stuff. I think here the stadiums are unbelievable unbelievable. Every week you're playing like in a uh, massive stadium when the fans and I don't know for me it's very very enjoyable and it's definitely a, a, it's making a difference so so in terms of you as a as a coach one is it like does it allow you that freedom to just worry about what's happening on the pitch because you have that full belief in terms of all the other stuff that's happening in the background that the club is open transparent and they're going to do the right thing for the, the team first and foremost yeah, and I think there's also the time frames. Like you know how coach, like as a coach, you always want to build a long project, but you have short time frames, and sometimes they are always promises like, oh yeah, we're gonna do that next season. Yeah, that's happening in two years. Like here, we we went to see like for you to have an idea, we went to see a facility. We're like we're gonna build one in two years, but then we're like like getting like a new building where there's gonna be a gym and a few things, and in, and we saw it on a Saturday morning. 
on a Saturday evening, I go a draft already with what's going in every of the places in the, in the you know, like for me, yeah, especially being from Spain, where everything is like mañana, mañana, it's going to be, uh, it was, it's, it's exciting, you know, I think the, the willingness and, and how quick and how much care they take of people is, 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 is another Can thing. I ask it, so is the end, and I might be wrong, because of the structure of the league, they obviously do the draft and stuff. Do they still have a um, salary cap in terms of the least amount paid and, and the, the maximum paid within the league in each of the teams? Is that right? Yeah, I think that's, a, yes, that's happening. It's different ways to call it because there is a part of the money that is from the salary cap, a part of the money that is from the allocation money, which is any extra expenses. And now there is a lot of... You know, there's a lot of talks about how to increase that because every club, like here it happens kind of the opposite, like every club wants to spend more money, but they can't, you know. So, uh, now, obviously, women's game, the women's game is growing, so sometimes to be able to compete with the wages that some of the clubs are paying in Europe, they need to increase that cap or find ways like the MLS, what they've done is they call designated players, so you can have four or five players that that money doesn't go into the salary cap. So, trust me, it's a mm. completely different environment. We need to learn a lot to, you, to be working here. Right. Do you think then, do you think that then that then helps then with the player well-being? Because obviously they can't invest financially in terms of giving them extra um, salary money. So do you think that then they prioritise that well-being outside of the, the, the money they can pay, pay them as a, as a player? And they really focus on that because they don't have that in England. In terms of like making sure the family is settled in England and, and money for, for, for living and, and, and living expenses is not the same. They just give the player a high salary and get them to basically pretty much find their own, you know, uh, property, etc. So do you think that because there's a salary cap within NWSL, they have that investment around the player well-being off of the pitch to make sure they're settled? Do you think that allows for that? I think there is, to be honest, I think it's part of the culture and they will do it regardless of the money they invest in the team. I think it's part of how they want to do things. It doesn't affect one, doesn't affect the other. You know, I think here money is seen different. I think in, in, in Europe, like you can see, you know, like I think in England, every team of the, you know, and I've been there, I know how it is, and I've been in Spain, like every team is attached to a male or a team that is still working on the money and now the budget, we need more money to do this, but the club doesn't want to, that kind of problem. Like my club now, it's not attached to anything. We are a women's football club and everything is for the women. The owners are invested in the women's game. Like there is, you know, like it's two separate conversations. Like one is how they want to be the best. They want to be the best not only in America, but in the world. And they're doing that off the pitch. And now they want to be the best on the pitch. They, This is the maximum we can put. So they put the maximum. But that happens with every team. I think every team is juggling to see how they can fit the wages within it. And what it really helps is the competition in the league. Like here, every game for me, you're playing a Champions League game in a top stadium. It's impossible to know if you know you're gonna win, you're gonna lose the scores. Like here is really even. Like last season, we were two fixtures away to get to the playoffs. I think there was like there was nobody guaranteed in the playoffs, and there is six gaps. And there was uh, out of the twelve teams, there was nine teams with options to get on the playoffs. Like that was so exciting. That's impossible in in any league. Like normally there is two, three teams. You know they are up there, and the rest, you know. So, what are you playing for? You're playing for a performance, but you're not playing for titles. So, any time. So. so on that, do you think then it's more difficult in England because most of the top female clubs are affiliated to male clubs and obviously they're then not a priority? Do you think that Yeah, I think it is definitely more difficult, but what happens is you can see year in, year out, the teams that are at the top are the teams that invest the most money. If you don't invest that much money, then you're not at the top. That's how it is. Like, you don't have, like, if you look at the table now, like, you see, obviously, the Man United finally, after a few years where they were doing maybe the investment, but they were getting that reward. Now they are up there, so it makes it a bit more interesting. But you know, like, that there are other teams I don't want to name anyone, but they're not going to be competing up there. Like, here you had the season, I think, two years ago, Kansas, so go like, it was the worst team or one of the bottom teams and last season they played the final. But, you know, like that adds, and it's, 
you know, like every week you can sit down and watch a game and you don't know what's going to mm. happen. You know, and I think that's very, you know, like it is what it makes football football. You know, that you sit down and enjoy the performance and, you know, I don't like what's going to happen. I, I think that makes it more interesting than waiting to see how many goals one team scores. You know, like it's, that's one. Uh, one thing we've been. Oh, sorry. Can I? Quickly, one thing we were talking about as well on the pod, Quan, is about. Um, like English-based players actually playing in the league and the influx of foreigners coming in. So in terms of you and your roster, is there any pressure in terms of having more US players to, to build that development of the national team? Or is it purely down to, I guess, your franchise and your, your, there isn't really that in mind as an American club to produce American players, or, or is it? I think it is... There is two things. So the rule says you can have five foreigners, and that's your limit. Uh, then, funny enough, like in everything, you can trade, so you can get another foreigner spot from another team, which I find interesting. <laughs> uh, and then the developing, uh, like here, there is a lot of talent. Like it's the country where the most women play the game, and there is like a lot, a lot of talent. And then there is the draft, which is an amazing experience and really difficult to organize but i think the developing talent from the area which is something that us as gotham football club want to do and, and we are really creating a new plan to be different on that aspect it is very difficult because the players go to college uh, now this season they've changed it and now they are going to allow for the first time in the history of the league 218 year old players to be pros they are allowing uh, players to go straight into the professional league without any other step in between to go to the college, just uh, going through the draft process. But obviously, you don't want to have a, an academy system. Imagine we develop a player here. We, we have from under eight all the way up to under 18. And then they go to college. And then in the draft, LA goes and choose that player. And you lose the player you've developed. You mm. know what I mean? So it kind of builds that. So they are looking at how they can recreate all that so we can produce more local talent and you know there's been a big shift but obviously the draft and the college game here is massive so it's uh, uh, it's a moving piece you know the nwsl is moving like even from the moment i got here to six months down the line it's been already changes in rules regulations so uh, they are all the time looking how to be better one is the nwsl better than the wsl uh, for me, at the moment, I think it is, but it's only purely because of the experience of the fans and the experience of the players. I think it's better, and I think as well, like it's a better like you go to a stadium and it's better to watch. Just everything around it is better, you know. Like you've seen the stadiums that the WSL plays on regular. But I'm not talking when you obviously go to. Once a, a, a year or two a year, you go to the biggest stadium, you get 30,000. No, that's, that would be even. But then, I mean, on the daily uh, situation, I think it is better. Um, to be honest, like, and, and, and I know I'm from Spain and I've been there long enough to, to do it. Like, I think it helps to play throughout the summer. <laughs> like, the fishing cold is out of the window. Like, I think it, but that's obviously something that is just like a, a preference, but it is. Uh, I think it's better because of that, and I think it's better because of the quality between teams. I, uh, I think that makes it a better competition and more enjoyable. I, I think football-wise, like especially the top teams are uh, very even. You know, I think you could, like, you know, Chelsea could play who won here last season. It was Poland, so you could play a game and it would be a good game. Like, uh, you know, it's just that it doesn't happen often enough. But I think. As a whole, in terms of box by box, yeah, I think at the moment, for my experience, it is. Why do you Why do you think then so many, you know, foreign players want to come? In? Do you think to, to play in the WSL? Do you think financial? Do you think it's a that they pay more than? Yeah, one financially, they get better money sometimes in the top top clubs of Europe. I'm not only talking, I'm not only talking England. I'm talking Barcelona. I'm talking Real Madrid. I'm talking Olympique Lyon, PSG, because of the salary cap. Some of the players, you know, like they're earning a lot of money, and you cannot pay that within the salary cap here. And I think sometimes it's also like. Europe is where soccer was created. A lot of the players, I've spoken with a lot of players here, like they've grown up 
watching playing Chelsea, watching play like Arsenal, Tottenham, Real Madrid, Barcelona. They have that little thing in the heart that there is no doubt about it. The history and the culture of soccer is better in Europe. Like there is no, no questions asked about that. I think that that's something that as a as a person from here, that you, you have the expectation maybe for a player that grows have been in London, North London, you tell them, oh, you want to go and play for the Houston Dash of Gotham when they're growing up and they don't know what, what that is. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 it's because there are young clubs changing names, all that has been a bit of a difficulty. But if you ask me about the competition and about that, then yes. And then the reason is obviously financial and culture-wise. I think that's where uh, it is ahead. But those are not tangible on the daily. You know, like we sh Europe should push on the culture to be matching the experience on a regular basis. Yeah, because it's amazing you still don't have those huge brands in the US. And yet the game day, the match day experience is so, so much better. So that's, that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think it is attached to the other yeah. sports, you know, like the national anthem, how the players come on the pitch, the performance, fire. Yeah, the American know, way one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a performance. It's entertainment. Right? But that was, yeah, you can watch, you know, you can watch a very good game at an Arsenal Chelsea and you put it on a Stanford Ridge and it's fantastic. And you put it at Chess and FC and it's the football, same football, uh, uh, yeah. the same football game. But it's not the same performance. Like it's, it's different. So yeah, I think that's what, that's what it makes a difference. You, you talked about the the fan experience, the player experience on a match day, and I know recently we've had to have games cancelled because of a little bit of ice. Um, I, I just wanted to, I guess, get your opinion on that because obviously like, you would have had games cancelled when you were here um, managing. But yeah, there was there was a lot of sort of passing the buck, and yeah, again, just your sort of. I guess overview of it and maybe just in comparison to I guess why it wouldn't or would happen in a similar thing at, at Gotham or in America. Yeah, I think it is that that's just not acceptable. But that comes with the stadium. Like sometimes you cannot put you know under heating uh, maybe gra or it systems at Borhamud or you know some of these stadiums, it's just not sustainable to do that. And just, from my opinion, they should just play in the, I don't even like to call it men's stadiums, it should be called club stadiums, you know, like that's what it is, that's a club stadium. Now for you to understand, like that, that here they do like in England, they, they release the whole fixtures to, um, now, and the problem is that we are matching so many times with the men's because there is a new men's competition with the Mexico and a few things. So it's very, very hard to fit it in, but it's doable. And then it's profitable. So why cannot we do it in the rest of the, uh, you know, why we cannot do it in England? Why they say, oh, it costs money to open the stadium. Well, let's find ways to, you know, to make money. Like when there is 20, when there is 40,000 people in a stadium, the club is making money. So why would not want to do it on a regular basis? Uh, so, so, so you so you say the club needs to invest the same way they're investing in their squad. They need to invest in their infrastructure. And if they're really a family and a club, then that is part of that journey. Hundred percent. I think that that's the solution. The stadiums are there and they own them. You know, like just a question of finding uh, ways to to make it profitable in regular basis. And sometimes it's just being creative in, in you know adding more money to how you generate that revenue and you know i think it is it is challenging because sometimes they it is the same fan base i think or, or you know it's a different fan base within the same club i think i don't know like for you know i don't like talking to other clubs like you can see for example la or san diego or you know they have like big uh, fan bases on from that football club and uh, they're not attached to men like we hope to do the same uh, you know, at Houston, we were able to get like 20 something thousand people in the stadium, fill it out for the first time. I think Portland, like there is a lot of teams that get like 20 odd thousand week in, week out at the moment to watch the team because it's the team they want to watch. Yeah. 
I mean, speaking of 100%, you have Midge Purse on your team. You've got Kelly O'Hara, Lynn Williams, Ali Krieger, Christy Mewis. So big, big names on Gotham FC. And I think we would love to chat to you longer, but um, we don't want to take up too much of your time. So thank you guys so much for the time. Can I ask one question, Bex? Yeah, sure. I think one. Far just has to go on the taxi. So I just wanted to give oh, her... Because he, he was case. at Houston Dash. Yeah? Because he was at Houston Dash. Rachel Daly, is she up front for you or in defence? Would you play her? Well, we didn't have the chance to manage her. She left like when, you know, like it would have really made a difference for us there with obviously Ebony and the people that we had at top. But unfortunately, we didn't have her. You know, I think it is a great player in every position, but she's proving that she's quality next to the other goal. And, you know, like scoring goals is the most difficult thing in the game. So for me, up top. Hey. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you. And for you, for you. Sorry? For you, for you guys, where, where, where she needs to play. I, I, think, I think at the back because yeah. there's enough up front. And she's the secret weapon, though. So she's at the back and then Guys, back. Look, look at this. Look at this. Uh, yeah. I think she should be given time up top, at least in the army. Guys, you need to see this. Yeah, I saw it. Alicia Russo, Arsenal, made a bid. Record breaking bid from Arsenal. For Alicia oh, Russo. For the end of the summer. Interesting, guys. What she'll go. She'll go. She'll tell you why she'll go. Because she's from there, there. Yeah, and her idol is Kelly Smith. So she'll go. Mm. Uh, and Katie McKay will go to Chelsea because she's a Chelsea supporter. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Amazing. Juan, thank you very much for coming on, Juan. Listen, Thanks guys, I really enjoyed the time with you. Whatever you need, and and hopefully I spoke with Ertha, we will talk to, to try to get some of those uh, big names, big people that that plays in the team with, with you guys. I would love them to, to get to know you a little bit more and for you to get to know them That's a little great. bit more. So whatever you need. Thank we you. are happy to do our pod live from your stadium yeah, yeah, or yeah, in Florida. Yeah, yeah definitely. Even, even come here, New York. <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> get a date up. Yeah. Thank you so well, much, Juan. Have a good Thank one. You. Good luck in the well, season. Yeah, good luck. Thank you. Thank good you. luck. Yeah. Thank Kick some butt. Have a great okay. day. Okay. Ciao. Bye bye. All right, so that wraps up our first half with Juan. That was awesome. And now heading into our halftime team talk, we've got WSL Roundup. This week's clashes saw half of the matches end in ties. So three of the games, including Arsenal and Man United, picked up only one point, while Chelsea then jumped to the top of the table where they had wanted to be when they were trying to play on frozen pitches. Uh, and we saw Man City and Chelsea adding three points onto their tally. First, I think uh, the Tottenham-Chelsea game was a great one. I mean, that was the score was 2-3 to three in the end with Chelsea coming out on top. It wasn't as exciting because Chelsea went ahead 3-1, but there were a few key highlights in that game I thought were brilliant. Number one, Lauren James's goal was fantastic. Um, keen to hear what you guys think about that one in terms of technique and just, you know, the flow of the game and, and how that was, Farah, because you were watching that live, weren't you, and texting <laughs> into our group. Mm. Yeah, no, look, look, I, I believe Lauren James's form in terms of her consistency, especially with the ball. So in possession, I think she's frightening. She gets people off, off, their, off their seats. And we heard in the post-match from Emma Hayes that Lauren has a lot more to do in her game, which was for somebody that just got played a match, scored a, an unbelievable goal. Had a lot of people talking and Emma just brings her back down to earth, I guess, and maybe keeps her on her toes. She mentioned that she needed to work a little bit more on her defensive game. Yeah, I think she was referring to the third goal where Lauren yeah. could have maybe trapped and been in a better position to, to stop that from happening. Well, she kept her on side, but, didn't she? She kept yeah. that for Tottenham's second goal, didn't she? Yeah. But she, for, for me, she just makes something out of nothing. That goal, when the ball went out to her in, in a wide area, I don't think any of us thought that she would dance past as many players as she did and put it in the back of the net and you know you watch it and people's like you know could they have put a tackle in when you play up against Lauren <laughs> she actually looks like she's not doing enough but her she just unbalances defenders so easily that even if you nibble that's what she wants 
she'll just jump past you. She reminds me of Kelly Smith. No, uh, yeah, I've said Kelly it for Smith, years. Like, all the uh, time, like she closest to that, right? I think I think sometimes though people give them a bit too much of respect. If we look at again, obviously the men's game is different. Mm. Like someone would have drawn a yellow card. Like someone would have put a foul mm. in. And I think in terms of that's the difference in terms mm. of players and profile and actually like take a free kick like tactically. Don't let her drive towards goal. Like for me, that someone should have took one for the team. Like <laughs> it, it was a good run, but I it know. wasn't that good where she couldn't have been brought down, stopped, reset, and, and we go again. And I think that's where, in terms of <laughs> our game, like we have to do more. You played against her, but you she will bump foul. you. But yeah, but again, <laughs> no, I get what you're saying. But she'll fall. Even if she does bump the player, and um, it will be it will be pulled back. There'll be a, there'll be a free kick. You can reset. But I think there's that tactical side. I think we're not quite there in terms yeah. of WSL in like drawing fouls and like making plays. I think. <laughs> Do you know what it's it reminds easy. me of? It reminds me of that game in the World Cup in 20, I don't know, 2011, I think, when we were playing against Japan. Because we, we have similar issues playing in Japan because they're so good technically mm -hmm. with the ball that they were right. She was right at the top of the 18 and I, I just, I went in for a tackle. I'm like, this is going to be late, but mm -hmm. I have nothing, you know, and they got it and then they got the free kick and then they scored and I was like, <laughs> ah, so I hear what you're saying, Eartha. However, <laughs> with the free kicks nowadays too, it, it is quite dangerous to give them away in there or obviously in the box of the PK, but it's a good point. It's a good point. I think, isn't that though, in terms of the free kick, it's about show me what you can do then with the free kick. Mm. You talked about Emma and her analyzing her game at the end and saying that she's got a lot more to do. I think that might be a little bit of sweats on looking at other teams potentially coming in for a player yeah. who's performed well. So, she's so a blue. Did you not hear it? Don't under Whoa. I'm on you blues. Yeah. <laughs> what she say? They what basically, say? We, we told her at the end of the game, have yeah. you seen the, the result of Man United Everton? It was nil-nil and straight face Lauren James into the camera. Come on, you blues. <laughs> so, I like, come I like. on. But the Man, Man United Everton game, I mean, how many chances did Man United have as well? And same with West Ham Arsenal. They both ended in a uh, tieless draw, but Arsenal also was peppering that West Ham goal. I'm touching on this, Bex. I'm We're glad you brought this up. I'm glad you brought this up because I, I purposely brought the stats out for this conversation, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because Wait, we, have a, team, we have a team of the week, right? We yeah. have a team of the week. And obviously we, it, it was hard to pick the goalkeeper. I can't even pronounce the name of it the left goalkeeper. But on the stats, see, 32 shots, mm -hmm. right? 18 on target. So the Leicester keeper had to save 18 shots on target, okay? Regardless of how they they, they were here. Mm -hmm. Arsenal had 21. So Mackenzie Arnold, everybody's saying should be in the, the team of the week, which she come close to, only had to save nine. Everton against Man United. Man United had 25 shots, only four on target. So the Everton keeper only had to, ha to face four shots on target. So if you look at those stats, yeah, they weren't, there's they weren't an argument for shots, the Leicester goalkeeper that mm -hmm. she kept him in a game. The scoreline could have been a hell of a lot more than just 2-0 based on those stats. I don't know what you guys think, but I thought I'd bring them before you come at me. That was, for, for, for me, that was, I, I watched the game. That was the first player that was in our team mm. of the week. Like she played so well. Um, and I think people expected it to be a, a wider score gap. Mm -hmm. And obviously my appreciation for goalkeepers, they're often left out. Mm -hmm. We've talked about Drake a lot on here. And I think <laughs> definitely like Leicester keeper is, is definitely in for me. She was first yeah. on the team sheet. So there is a few names that potentially I'll change on the team of the week, but in mm -hmm. terms of goalkeeper, solid. All right. Well, I, I really liked Arnold from West Ham because I just felt like Arsenal <clears throat> was so, they felt a lot more threatening. How many goals did, they, how many shots did they have on on target? Was Arsenal 21? 21, nine on target. Nine on target. But I just felt like her presence, um, you know, how she was so solid there and the, and the shots were good. They were good mm. shot like saves that she had as well. So I was really impressed and to keep Arsenal to a, a no null draw because, you know, at some point once Man City scores, then they score again, you know, the whole the whole vibe of the game shifts doesn't it Two like, okay, goals, we're though, not gonna we're not gonna City. come back from mm. this you know so I, I'm and it's nothing against Leicester City goalkeeper I agree I thought she did fantastic but I do think that Arnold was absolutely outstanding. yeah I'll be honest with you right West Ham centre halves are in the team for that reason yeah. because actually they were phenomenal. Mm. Grace Fisk and uh, Sissoko, Sissoko, they yeah. were unbelievable. So, so what I'm saying she is was that out in the wings half the time. They, they were they were like, very good. Hence why they're both in the team, and that's mm. why like, if we'd have put a Leicester centre half in, it would have showed a little bit more. But actually, the keeper had to do more because of what was in front of her probably wasn't as effective as say yeah. the West Ham. I've got an idea. What's yeah. the idea? Rush goalkeeper Arnold's oh, in. Oh, she's <laughs> in the back. <laughs> Arnold is in. It. Let's do it. Why, Why not? Just put her a half? Why not? <laughs> she's demanding she can. Two goalkeepers. Two 
Earth are. Oh. Why don't we play two? Like three. <laughs> <She's> <laughs> two, in. three, three, two. Let us know. Whatever. We should put Arnold in yeah. as sweeper at the back with Sissoko. <laughs> and, and Fisk. And Fisk. Yeah, yeah, sure. Brilliant. Okay, we definitely would like to hear fans comment. <laughs> no, we don't actually. All right, next topic. Um, Man City. Uh, I just wanted to talk about Bunny, oh, friggin' wow. Shaw. Mm-hmm. Like, again, you guys mentioned this last week and I was watching... You know, with a little bit finer <laughs> eye this week, and her technique is up. It, it the the Monster. difference between last year and this season is actually phenomenal. You mm-hmm. mentioned she was training with another coach, but mm-hmm. even the shots that she didn't make, you know, she's she's getting balls in the right area. Her body positioning is the way that she, when she receives the ball, she is like teed up perfectly in front of the goal. I mean, she is literally turning out not just to be one of the best, a top goal scorer of this league, but probably one of the best strikers I think we'll see at the World Cup. Agreed. In the summer. I, you know what? I agree, I agree. And I remember, and I mentioned it before in the pod, I seen her play years ago for Jamaica, mm. years ago. And my first thing was Kelly. This is a di- like Another no one, Kelly. This is a gem. <laughs> Kelly Chambers, this is a gem. No one knows about her. Let's yeah. get her. Oh, Kelly Chambers. Yeah, Kelly right, Chambers Kelly at Reading. Yeah, yeah. So I was at Reading at the time. Her, I watched right, Jamaica right. play and I was like, oh my God, this girl Stinker. is phenomenal, right? <laughs> Kelly Chambers. But there was a ruling back then that you had to play a certain amount of um, games for your national team or, or the country that you were mm-hmm. playing in before yeah. you could come to the UK. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get her. Mm-hmm. She signs for Man- Manchester City and obviously with Ellen White being in, in, in the squad at the same time, she was in and out. She yeah. never got a consistent run of games. Mm-hmm. Now we are seeing with a consistent run of games how effective she is as a number nine. Unreal. She has everything. She can head, she can role play, she can pin players, she yeah. can drop short, she could do everything. And we've seen all different types of goals from her. Yeah. I think, you know, arguably, I mean, along with Lauren James, who I think has been really consistent, those two players are arguably up for player of the season already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly the first half of the season, for sure. She reminds me of Carmen Walker oh, back, back in the day on, yeah. on form, right? Mm-hmm. But do you know, remember when at the beginning when we started this pod, I talked about the World Cup and the groups I was looking forward to watch. Yep. Jamaica was in there, you know, <laughs> Was all laughing and look yeah. now. No, no, I was not laughing. Uh, I think they are fantastic to watch. Mm. They have such a good vibe, don't they? They have an amazing Cidella vibe. Marley and backing her, backing the team, and no, they're absolutely amazing. Yeah. Do you know what though? On the, I mean, I think it's a really good point to have. It, it's great to have the foreign players too that are contending for players of the season. And when I was looking at our team of the week that we picked this week, I mean, we had George, we had James. Chloe Kelly, and that was it. And the others were all foreign players. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really interesting as well because just looking ahead to the World Cup, this is going to be really exciting. And a lot of like players are really prepping for World Cup right mm-hmm. now in, in this league. Yeah, I think I definitely agree. I looked at that as well. I know we've also touched on about English players playing in in our league. And mm. I had a look at our team of the week and I was like, number one, there's so many foreigners in there, <laughs> yeah. which is great in terms of the attraction <laughs> yeah. to our league. Yeah. I looked at the demographic in terms of diversity. There was, it's very diverse yeah. compared to the overall league. Um, so again, there were so many other things that I was just thinking, actually, there's so much things we can do with this data and just celebrate, I guess, what the WSL has to offer. So 100%. really excited. Let me just tell you, the Japanese players in our league at the minute I know. are in on any fire. But Earth for the same me that Liverpool, they yeah. just signed the one at West Ham. I'm like, Jesus, Man the right City? back at West Ham. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Man City sent them in. I'm mm-hmm. like, wow. these. But I'm excited because mm-hmm. when I see them perform in our league, because normally it's the physical that mm-hmm. they struggle with a little bit. When I'm seeing them perform like that, they are going to be a lot better come the World Cup as a squad. I was about to say, are you, so are you saying they're winning see... the World Cup then? No, I'm not <laughs> saying that. I'm saying England. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's end on that then. And now moving into our second half, I am extremely excited about this topic because mostly because Far has just been ranting about it since I've met her, um, maybe when it, the, this topic first came onto the scene. And this is VAR, Video Assistant Referee. And after talking to Juan recently, literally, um, the news broke that the NWSL, the league in the US, is going to implement VAR tech in 2023 so they're going to be the first women's domestic professional league to do so and they're going to be using hawkeye which uh was 
you know, used That's a me. lot in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, also in tennis. Um, and also they were one of the first ones to do the goal line technology for FIFA as well. And it, they're also the same ones that are used by the MLS, the Major League Soccer League, the Men's League in um, the US. And it's really interesting because one of the things I just want to kick off the conversation is when I read the article that was talking about it, and I've been talking to the NWSL and some people there for a while about this. So we know it was coming, but they were saying that the professional referee organization, so that would be the equivalent to the PGMOL here. Mm -hmm. And we had BB Steinhaus. If you guys haven't listened to that pod, she's absolutely amazing. Interesting. Uh, who runs, yeah, who runs a PGMOL here in England, talking about the amount of training. And when I was at FIFA, the amount of training that we saw go into these female refs and what they need, and not even female, male refs as well who were in the VAR. Um, it's incredible the amount of training they need. And the one thing that jumped out at me when I read this article was they were saying that they were going to be hosting a VAR training session at IMG Academy ahead of the 2023 campaign. Now that cannot be right <laughs> because the amount of training you need for this, and we've seen it in the Premier League, mm -hmm. the amount of training, the amount of years that they've been training, they, they were training two, three years ahead of when it launched in the Premier League. They were doing test events. And and so I'm I'm a little bit worried about mm, this. Me too. Me too. Bex, I was recently on a UEFA refereeing course out in Rome. They were, sorry, training. They were doing oh, a training. Over to the dark side, are we <laughs> yeah, now? Yeah. 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 So no, I was invited there as a, as a former player and to give a player's perspective of how we feel like the referees ref the game in terms of unnatural body positions, what is natural or unnatural for a footballer that is using their arms, for example, to, to hold off players. And it was really interesting. I come away thinking as a player right let me just go back I thought when I retire maybe I'll be a referee because I cool. thought the referees weren't great so I was like oh I know the game and if you know the game cheeky secret and when I went when I went to this when I went to this training I was like I would never want to be a referee I come away <laughs> this is not helping more, for recruiting young more, girls into no, even more like not clueless that's probably the wrong word like I was like they were they, they were so split on decisions in terms of what you see and what so we could see things mm -hmm. the same picture but see it differently and that's, mm -hmm. that's the same in life right but you've got to make a decision I believe as a referee that is consistent and I just felt like every topic or every you know um clip that was shown the whole room was split and then VAR was even different to that opinion so it become really difficult to make any sort of like let's come away from here you know we all know that this is the consistent message we're going to go with and there's so many laws to the game mm -hmm. so you're right. And and I saw their training. I saw the training they did. And trust me, it is hard. It is hard. It is when really when hard. you talk about, you know, as players, we did the 75 meter returns. Mm. They do that with, and when they get to the end of the 75, they're viewing a VAR decision. They have to make a split decision and they go again. And they do that. Like we do, 12 mm. reps, sorry, mm. 12, 12 times two, three sets. And I was like, and the women, if they want to be an elite ref, have to go to the same distance as the men. Mm. So I was, and, and obviously physically women mm. and men, are different and we can't travel you know we can't make up the ground at the same time as the men can mm -hmm. so it's even harder for, for the women to do it and to be an elite referee I, it was an eye-opener for me That's but good. it is that reason and what you i don't know how fifa did but i know that you wafer like not that they're not for for var because they they are they have it in place but they want referees to make decisions var is a safety net they shouldn't be used to ref the game so this was a message i come away with which yeah. i liked was that you have to be brave enough to make a decision as a referee. You're employed to do that. If you make the wrong decision, we can have a, a debate or whatever after. And I know it's a harsh debate because there's referees that get sent home from tournaments yeah. for making one mistake in a yeah. game. Mm. That happened at the women's so Euros. I understand why some are a bit hesitant if they're unsure to make a decision and rely on VAR. Mm. But let, let's be honest, their job is to ref and officiate the game. Do mm. that first and be use VAR as a safety net. That's why Video I'm not quite... assistant yeah, referee, exactly. I don't want them in the, the game in our game yet. Maybe you don't want VAR. Not here. in the English game yet. But uh, maybe US, I don't know, Earthbex, your note, are more advanced in the WSL for them to start to implement it. Mm. I don't think we're ready for it yet. I think there's other things that... I would invest that money in, in the women's game currently to make it better before we go VAR. Yeah, for, referees for, aren't even professionals so yeah, for, for in me. the game. Let's go, let's, you can't go, I'll have amateur referees with professional <laughs> VAR. It doesn't yeah. make sense, right? Yeah. 
For, yeah. for, for me, it just comes across as like really lazy and just sort of cutting corners. Like, like you say, you want the best referees to be able to perform the best and be as accurate as possible. They want to put themselves in those positions to be assessed and, and on merit if they're doing well or not well. But we also need, like we say, that investment in them mm. to be able to do the job well. They have to have those tools to be as good as they possibly can. So by bringing in VAR, yes, like you said, it's to assist but actually you're not even assisting the best of that person because mm. they're not able to have that professional development to be their best, mm. to then have that assistance on top of the best. We're mm. saying we want the thing that can assist you to make the perfect decisions, but you're not even right, but it's fine. You just go and, you just go and do it and then we'll have the rest happen. And, and I guess an example of that is when I was in school in education, they'll say, okay, sometimes if a teacher's off ill, you'll just have the TA in there. Mm. And then if anything goes wrong, we'll just use the behavior system that can sanction what's going on. No, <laughs> we need the teacher who can teach the actual lesson. And then if you need the assistance or the behavior policy to support that, then that's what you do. So I think for me, yes, I would like VAR in the game but just to make those crucial decisions mm -hmm. is it like did it go over the line or was it a millimeter or did we miss something not necessarily looking at no, the decisions i, I want the ref can to, i be honest with ref? that does that have to be a var right where you pay millions of pounds to get var in or like what i do when i'm on the bbc there's an there's an instant replay mm -hmm. is there not a, a thing where you can just have a referee because they, they communicate the fourth mm -hmm. ref yeah, they do they see it so even if you delay it by 30 seconds they can make that decision pitch side for example mm -hmm. rather than paying all this money investing in var and all this when you have the cameras there anyway at the games now to make those decisions and they do that, like, that, that uh, that's what i thought was so interesting when i first started working with referees back in my fifa days is that they do have the whole communication system so mm. they are in contact yeah. all the time and it's fantastic it's fascinating you know mm. you have a, one ar assistant referee from the opposite side of the pitch and one ar that's watching the the line for offside and that one over there the first one is yelling now when the ball's been kicked so that the other ar can watch the line so she doesn't have to watch when the ball's mm. being kicked and the line because when you think you can't mm -hmm. like so the amount of communication that you need so that does happen and also um it's funny you say ar i learned that yeah not, there because you i go. was like oh the lino they were yeah. like no actually there's <laughs> they're actually not called they're not actually, anymore yeah. because they actually specifically are trained now as assistant referees that yeah. run the line so they're not they're not referees that run the line they're actually their job full-time job is just to run the line mm -hmm. so can so I just, and can and the fourth official is the other one which maybe people don't even realize is there but they're the ones that are watching the benches and yeah. controlling the behavior and doing mm. the substitutions yeah. and you know those things and that that role is actually very difficult considering you know the behavior of some mm -hmm. of the managers that especially we've seen over here in england which we've spoken about can I, just a quick question. In I might have just missed this. In rugby, mm. don't they have that in terms of they go back to the replay, they have mm -hmm. the, they're yep. mic'd up and they it do. works yeah. for them. Don't slow our game down any more than it's already slower. No, no, you're, <laughs> saying, no you're saying about <laughs> watching replays and just going back to it rather yeah. than having all this VAR yeah, yeah, yeah. system. That's, yeah. Isn't that what they yeah, do in yeah. rugby? So they oh, do in rugby. And what do I, what mm. I like, because I recently went to the All Blacks England game, which the result of we don't need to talk about. But we um, <laughs> what, what I did think was really cool is they had everything on the big screen, right? And this was one of the things when I was working at FIFA that I felt was so frustrating because you know that they're processing, they're looking at the the, um, the screen, but as a fan in the stadium, you have zero information. Yeah, that. And that is not, nah. that's not okay. We, that's not don't, that's we don't want everyone being refs in the stadium. That will kick, can you imagine if someone had a, a wrong call and then they just But kick, they do it yeah. in rugby. But no. which is, which My is point is, right, is that if the players know. Crowd and, the, and the football crowd, that I think there's an education of, if people understand. I just want to talk about like the really communication quickly. On OBEX, if the communication is there for players and Fans, to, they don't have to agree, mm. but if they understand the reasoning, that allows people to go, okay, I accept that or yeah. not, whatever. You but do you know what I mean? Agree, Rather than just not know knowing it. anything and being like, what's going on? That's it. And I just, just, I need to touch on this because it is important that VAR can only be used for certain things in games, right? So exactly as you said, mm -hmm. the referees, the assistant referees, the fourth officials have to make decisions. The referee, the main one, is the one that makes you know most, most of the mm -hmm. the final call. Obvious, they they yeah. run the game; it's their mm -hmm. game. So VAR can only be used for clear and obvious, obvious. errors. And that's um, serious mis-incidences in four match-changing mm -hmm. situations, okay? So it can only be used if there's going to be something that will change the match in terms of goals. So if mm -hmm. there was a foul or a potential foul earlier on in the play that then led to a goal and the referee may have missed that, they can rewind and look at that. Penalty decisions. So we mm -hmm. saw one 
was it in the Arsenal game? It was in the Arsenal yeah. game where she stood on her foot. Um, and that was West a clear Ham. penalty for mm -hmm. West Ham. Um, so that could have been VAR. They could have gone back and looked at that. Direct red card incidents. So when, you know, it could be, for example, we saw in the Euros, Rebecca Welsh, actually the English referee was refereeing France versus, oh, who was it? Can't remember. And it was like almost this karate chop kick mm. and that they did look at VAR for that. And the fourth one is mistaken identity, <laughs> which is never gets used, mm. but, but good, right? Like, would it be us? Do you remember <laughs> we, had, we had a game last year where they had three yellow cards. Mm. So a player had three yellow cards. So, mm. you know, so those are the only times when VAR can actually assist the referee. Yeah, no, I, I, and I learned that as well. And it's also like, for example, in the penalty area, if you give a penalty, unless, as you mentioned there, it's clear and obvious. So if it's a slight touch mm. and the player's actually gone into the defender, for example, and used the defender to get the penalty, if the referee makes that decision and gives the penalty, it won't be overruled unless it's clear and obvious that there was no contact. Yeah. Even yeah. though they might disagree with the penalty decision, you can't overrule it. And that's such which a is really crazy because some referees point. give it and some don't. Yeah. And VAR will never overrule it. But that's the whole point of analysing the performance of a referee, mm. allowing them to ref and manage the game. Mm. So it has to be used as the assistant. Mm. But if it's used as a sort of verifying tool as to yeah. why something happened, then that's where it's a problem. Another topic I think is interesting in terms of having VAR and NWSL versus WSL is something that Juan said when we were chatting to him, which was that the stadiums are so much better in the NWSL. This is coming from him. He said they're bigger, they're fuller, the match to experience is amazing. This plays a huge role in being able to install VAR mm -hmm. because in the NWSL, they're going to start with six additional cameras and those cameras have to be situated in the different parts of the stadium. So if you you have, you know, no offense, but Boreham Wood that has two stands, really, you would have to create cranes to, to have them high enough to be able to even set up. So just the setup in the NWSL, I think, in terms of infrastructure is easier. And that is that is a serious issue because, you know, I was a venue director for UEFA mm -hmm. in the Women's Champions League and two of the clubs that would have struggled had they got on to the knockout round were Chelsea and Arsenal because of the the use yeah. of, uh, oh, of hence VAR. Specs, the, the, the men's FA Cup. They only have VAR at Premier League stadiums. Yeah. So there's a, dis a disadvantage to the teams that are, you know, lower down the, the, the pyramid in terms of the men's game if they're at home because mm -hmm. they don't have VAR there. Mm. If you play a Premier League team away, you get VAR decisions. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's your point in terms of the women's game, the stadiums that we play at are not suitable right now currently for VAR. So let's take that out of the picture. Don't try and rush VAR into our game right now. There's, as we I said, I've said it from the, right the beginning. Stadiums. We don't have the right state. There's more things I think the women's game need to be invested in than VAR currently. Mm. What, what what types of things? Well-being of players. Referees being professional. More more physios at certain clubs. I'm not saying all, but some. Mm. I medical, think there's medical medical, medical doctors, like full-time yeah. doctors, mm -hmm. rather than once a week turning in. You know, like, are they on hand every single day of the week mm. if players mm. need them? Mm. Some, some clubs, they have one physio for a squad of 25 players. It's ridiculous that mm. you can even think that that doesn't need to be invested in first before, mm. I don't know who it would be, the FA or the league, pump money into, you know, a, a VAR, which I get for the bigger clubs. You know, they want it urgently in it because it's, you know, crucial between, you know, the, the top teams. Um, we've seen Emma Hayes say, say a lot that she wants VAR in the game. But I just think there's maybe Chelsea at the stage where they need VAR. But, mm. you know, there's teams like Reading and you look at Leicester, for example, or Brighton. The investment there, like there's probably stuff there. I mean, even there's probably other teams, even probably Chelsea. Yeah. What's to say that their medical staff is, are great? I don't know. I'm it, just saying, I know you hear from players that the medics aren't great. Yeah. And not that not that the individual medic isn't great. That's probably the a support, hard, There's not the enough support, support around. Yeah, yeah. Mental health and all of those type of things that you don't want to go in and talk to your managers, yeah. your manager about, you know, psychologists. Is there all that sort mm -hmm. of support off the field for players? There's not. Is, yeah. is, every it, club. is it an indirect way in terms of, I guess, a question for the financial teams, for example, if they're saying every stadium needs to have VAR and they're thinking, okay, how much does this cost to install VAR at Bourne Wood, et cetera? And then they look at actually how much would it cost to play our games at the men's stadium? So mm. is it a thing where they might think actually it's cheaper yeah. just to play at the men's ground? So indirectly they're saying don't invest in VAR at someone else's ground yeah. when we can save that money and actually just come and play at our ground, Redding. which means now we're kind of indirectly getting them to move to play their women's games at the men's ground because financially 
it's financially viable. It, it mm-hmm. actually makes sense to play the games there. So maybe it, it might is, be it, a, it is for that reason, Earth, but yeah. we don't fill the stadiums. And I had this debate with Rio Ferdinand before the mm-hmm. Euros in the summer. And we got asked the question, would you rather go out, right, in a smaller stadium, a, a 10,000 seat stadium in the Euros, packed? Mm-hmm. Or would you rather go out in a 50,000 seat stadium with 10,000 in it and it's half empty? Mm. The 50,000, should I tell you why? No. Because the game's going to play because it's not going to be frozen. And <laughs> no, it's going to no, have no, all I'm the other resources. That. It is. The, well, why is it, why isn't a 10,000 seat stadium going to be... Because we've just seen it. There's the that stadium. That weren't 10,000 seat. Uh, no, that's two, two and a half, no, 3,000. You, you've got to look at Let's it in terms of... Earth. No, look at it in terms I wouldn't of investment want to play. as I wouldn't, a club. I wouldn't be motivated every week to go out of Stamford Bridge and get 5,000 people watching me at Stamford Bridge or going to Old Trafford, an 80,000 seat stadium and seeing 10,000 people there every week. Yeah. I wouldn't be as a player motivated thinking, wow, we're fully supported. Yeah, yeah. No. I, I, I tell, I'll tell you what, when they go to Kings Meadow, those Chelsea players are motivated by their fans. Nah. It's packed. It's, a, it's, a, it's entertainment. It's a career. Come on, there's no way. There is another way to look at it, right? 100%. There is another way of looking at it, which is like the Field of Dreams sort of analogy with, have you guys seen that? Kevin Costner, baseball? Oh, man. Well, it basically, he saw these visions, whatever. And and the whole thing was, if you build it, they will come. So he had to build like this baseball pitch in the middle of the cornfield. I'll be dead before that They were dead, actually. They were ghosts. It's a great movie. If you guys want to watch it, yeah. <laughs> but it is it is sort of that mentality, right? Mm-hmm. Because how many years, for how many years have we been told there's no audience for women's football? No one wants to go watch mm-hmm. the games, you know. And even when they were planning the women's Euros, because I was, you know, talking to some of those organizers and they were like, mm, I don't know, over 10,000 seaters. And I'm like, in three years, the game will have advanced so much. And what you have to do, that's your job, is to make sure you're filling those stadiums. So back to your point of what you would be investing in rather than VAR, Marketing, yes, hundred percent. Marketing, 100%. finding those weekends, finding those dates, working with the Premier League so that there's not clashes mm-hmm. on broadcast, that there's not clashes with stadia. You know, the infrastructure is right, so that that match day experience mm-hmm. that we get in America. That I don't even, I don't even like NFL football, but I will go and watch mm-hmm. almost any NFL football game because it's fun. Yeah. Because there's tons mm. going on on the jumbo screen and there's music and mm. I'm like drinking And that's how the Euros was with the music so entertainment before. But, that's, that's what the but the point is, right, like, my but. point is on that, the men's game drastically went. I remember I used to go to Stamford Bridge, five pound, five pound a game. Mm-hmm. Five pound to 40 pound with four kids, I ain't going to the game. So they actually reduced my, like, my opportunity in terms of then going to watch the game cut off they like just that. they just got, a new, of a they've got a new fan uh, though the a women, new set of if fan they base. go if the women go to Stamford Bridge or Old Trafford or I'm trying to even think they're mm-hmm. Etihad or the Emirates whatever stadium right mm-hmm. they're going to have to up the prices of tickets 100% are female fans currently prepared to pay that money in a crisis yes let me add. no they're not uh, so you got to look no, they're like, not. Okay, let, no let they're put, not let me put it at this point they pay 10 pound a ticket max that's, but that's now if you're looking at it in terms of you're looking at the fight not the warfare this Mate, is about the long term strategy what you're, what you're saying is keep it how it is let's go slowly slowly and then react what you need to do is need to be proactive you need to think actually mm. in 5-10 years time this is where it's going to be so how can we slowly have a strategy so that actually we are ready when it arrives currently it's we're not currently ready and let me ask point. you a question it's, go on it then. was the same spurs in the against NFL. reading are you paying 50 pound a ticket to go and watch that tell it's, me that answer it answer now it's not going to be 50 pound a ticket well it certainly go up and that is that's the podcast done yeah podcast. good <laughs> <laughs> we're that done good. Um, we're done because we, we won't talk about yeah. spurs after. no no I, I think the i think both <laughs> your points are right i think like right now as it is but i think you, you know it's not going to be, you can't go from five pound or free because Stanford mm-hmm. Bridge was it did. free. A couple it went years from ago, that, right? It went from that to men's that. game. So yeah. you have to look at the ticketing strategy and you that's know, how point. you, you have yeah. to progress you it. Have to, it's yeah, everything. That's my whole it's everything. Yeah, you have so. to, but you have to have the, the product to progress it into. Of course. But you also I have to that. invest in the marketing. It's not like, exactly. it's not like just choose the right. To amount for tickets you think and then that, it's going to be fine a, the whole marketing campaign like that's why how are they going and bit. getting mm-hmm. new audiences where are they picking up these new 100%. audiences where are they advertising in these new audiences because a lot of old elderly people I couldn't I can't tell you how many people have said to me my grandfather is obsessed with 
mm. women's football. But they have one off games that are marketed. It, you know? That's why they get 40 yeah, plus thousand yeah. because and they market one point. game months before because we've already announced the Everton against Liverpool derby mm-hmm. at Goodison. That's at the end of the season. Yeah. But yeah. they're marketing it from now. Exactly, we yeah. have to be more consistent with that marketing to get the fans in every week. And why don't they want them to come to Wally Hole Park, Walton Hole, where yeah. Everton play? The women's but, game. But they this, don't. But this is my whole point in terms of the outgoing cost of what would it cost to install VAR? It's a, I'm talking about the business model. If it costs £20,000. <laughs> And actually it costs 20 grand less to go at Stamford Bridge. Yeah. It just makes sense it because does. you'll go to our ground. And we're, as you say, clubs are trying to build, not as a men's team and a women's team, they're trying to build a team, a, a club, family, a team, a club. A yeah. club and a that's going to do it. Are they? Because you know what's interesting <laughs> that you say that? Let me just add this point, right? <laughs> Let me just put this in there. You've seen a clip, right? And I'm sure you would have seen it on Twitter. <sighs> Thiago Silva at Chelsea. Leaning over the, the you know, the... Um, watching the train. Watching Chelsea, the women. Yeah. Do you think any of them women are allowed to watch a men's first team? Absolutely not. That's so there's a, a difference. Well, oh, we get, we get a How is this related we, to VA? Yeah. Oh, no, <laughs> we, we, right just about, she just said about it being one club. <laughs> no, I'm saying we, they want, it's you not should one be club. building towards... You should be, but that's they, whole point. they talk we, that they are. That's not. whole point. So that's the strategy. It's all So anyway, we do actually want to know what you guys are thinking because it is a very interesting topic, obviously, and can go off into very many different tangents. But what I do think is interesting is... We meant to have a meeting at 11.30. We're 15 Hearing Juan and what he was saying about the match day experience, that makes sense to me that people would pay more for a ticket as well. So I think what you're saying is right. And what you're saying as well is right is there has to be that long-term strategy and that holistic way of looking at football. All right. So here are your BBB fan questions. There were, we, do you know what? We had over 75 questions this week, which is awesome from all over the planet as well, which is fun. Nice to see. Keep them coming. BBB listeners. We want to aim for 150 next week. <laughs> 1,500. I'm an answer, an extra five. <laughs> but we're not competitive at all. Um, Ursa, what's your question? Which one did you pick? Uh, I like the question from Laura Kelly 16, which is, if your careers in football hadn't worked out, what was your backup plans? Mm. Um, for me, so obviously outside of football, I was, I was an educator, so I was a teacher and quite successful at that. But, my goal job and it's still want to do it is to become a dj oh me me and music are like it's back it was battling with football like i love music i love all different genres like my family say my mix is awful because i just skip from (laughs) one genre to the next to musicals to you name it like i just love music always has a story songs always have a story so i really like playing music so if we if anyone wants to get me as part of the um match day DJ experience I promise you dude it will turn up in the stadium I have a great idea legit what is it Arnold Clark Cup Mm -hmm. coming to England February 16th to 22nd get your tickets now um (laughs) You're not employed by them, are you? We have a, (laughs) (laughs) we have a, um, they just did a partnership with Super Fox, which is a conglomerate of female DJs. I don't know if you saw that. So they will, we will be having live female DJs in the stadiums for those. And I think you should do a set. Well, Should we get I, you connected into Crystal Rock? I didn't say I could mix it. I just, I, <laughs> what I do know is I know the selection of songs that could get a stadium jumping. So let's have a let's have a All conversation. Right. All right, let's, let's conversation. do it. Let's get that happening. Nice. Do you want to know what I wanted to be? What do you well, want to be, Sarah? If I if I did I didn't make it as a footballer. To be honest, I didn't come out of it earning <laughs> enough money. <laughs> you only had the most number Honestly, of caps you know for England kid, like, ever. You know how like male or female, sporty, you always wanted to be like a PE teacher, which uh, of course I wanted to do, but academic I wasn't great. The ice cream man after school. Don't oh. tell me you didn't want to be an ice cream man. And I'm even saying man because there was no ice cream women. <laughs> but that tune, I used to think the days that, you know, mum or my nan couldn't afford for me to get an ice cream. I was like, I'm going to be eating all the ice cream I want when I become an ice cream man. <laughs> when, you did, when you did get an ice cream, what, what did you get? Popeye, come Popeye. on. <laughs> you know what Popeye is? It used to be like, a, you know, like the ice cream on the cone and it put like ice, ice on it. Ice on it, oh yeah. My, that was the best <laughs> of you, Your money must have been up. 60p. That was a lot. Yeah, to get two things. I know, 100%. I know, I know. Did you guys, was it called Mr. Whippy or is that just a Kiwi thing? Mm. It had, what the, was it called? There were some trucks that was Whippy, but they were like the, the bougie I, ones. Like um, our normal can, ones just had like some spray painting of a character or something. Yeah. <laughs> how, can, how can a 99, yeah, like now five be pounds. five pounds? It's mad, <laughs> mad, literally. Five pounds. 
Cost and you get less ice cream. Cost of living crisis. Four years ago, I promise you, the ice cream was like a meal, right? Right? Uh, so we'd have this big, and it would be high because we've got to put the lunch. Yeah. Like, now, full of like air. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm just eating cone. Yeah. <laughs> All well, I remember is ch- is choc ice, mate. My mum would be like, Oh my god, Iceland choc. Go and get a choc ice <laughs> out of the freezer. Wrapper. The paper's still oh. stuck to it. It was all old and gooey. The ice is like frosted on the inside. <laughs> no, <Nasty>. like <laughs> what about the double stick ice? Oh god, the ones that you. Let's quit what I wanted my, to be. Uh, my, 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 what you wanted to be is so not as interesting as you guys, like DJ, Mr. Whippy Man. I like. I wanted to go into finance, so let's go on to the next question <laughs> and get back to the, to the cool kids club. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I was more into like the financial industry and stuff like that. That's so cool. yeah, um, must have been a smart. Smart student. No, I, There's a, um, I just like it. I like numbers. I, I like numbers. But maybe I we didn't have enough money to manage. So we was like, nah, we're, yeah. not gonna <laughs> we're not going to have any money to manage <laughs> anyway. the ice creams. <laughs> All right. On to the next question. Go on, go on. My question is from Mary4M27. I like that you got four in there, by the way. Anyway, <laughs> the question is, how do you feel about Man United rejecting Arsenal's offer for Russo? I love it. Obviously, yeah. as a Man United fan, <laughs> it's it's amazing. And um, Tottenham fan, you don't well? support Man United. No. And Tot- okay, sorry. I'm a Man United fan. Okay. We all know United Red. Um, I think if I think it's good for the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in terms of Man United wanting to be a club that builds, uh, I think it just shows their ambition in terms of looking at not just competing at the top, being one of the top three. Actually, they want the best players to go on and win the league. So it sends a massive message, no matter how much history you have in the women's game, no matter how much money you have, like we want to keep our players. So mm. yeah, for me, that that was good. And I think it was good for the squad as well mm-hmm. to know that if they're doing that, they're really like true around, mm. I guess, the ambitions that they might have had those conversations before new players signed, etc. Nice. So come on, United. <laughs> I just think it, it would have been absolutely crazy for Man United who were currently sitting top when that, Mm. Uh, bid was put in for Russo to let your top striker disappear now listen they have Rachel Williams who is fantastic she mm. can score goals she's a goal scorer so would it have made much of a difference not sure who who knows but as you say there it shows that they're building they're going to be stubborn in that they want to progress a team they don't mm. want to be letting their best players go to their rivalry club and another thing on that is that in the women's game and it might have changed because I'm two years retired now <laughs> but the men's club will give the club a budget right mm. every year to work with so, for example, Man United get three million pound from the men, and that's their budget for the season. Man United think that that money's fit three million down the drain. They don't think that they're going to come back with half a mil at the end of the year because they got rid of their best player. Mm. That's irrelevant in their thinking. Mm. So, for them to keep hold of her, yes, people say, but she's out of contract in the summer. You could have made money on her. They don't care. Mm. They want to win the league and they want to be in the Champions League for next year. Mm. So why would you lose your best player for money that they already thought was dead down the drain? Interesting too, because Man United as a club is up for sale now. So you wonder sort of where that fits into the picture as well, or if it does at all, or if they even really care about the tiny, tiny little budgets of mm-hmm. women's football. But I, I like it because it's um, it's an unheard of, t- you know, I was chatting to uh, Russo's agent as well. And, it, you know, a big, big sum and... He would have been happy with that. Twenty no. percent. I think it's it's <laughs> my, my, my point is I think it, it's it's different, right? Because we always talk about the women's game like doesn't have enough investment. Mm-hmm. We just chatted about that. Doesn't have enough money, and and then to see a club stand up and say, yeah, but that even for unprecedented money, it's still we're not going to do it. I think that really sends a message of where they are as a club. Farrah, not only quick, that. One, one on. second. You know, you said about will they miss her because they got Rachel Williams. Mm. I don't think it's more about will they miss her. Actually, what they're doing is giving other clubs more ammunition. Yeah, so yeah, they're sure. Further ahead so it's not about well, they'll still get goals they'll still play but other yeah. clubs will be even better so that challenge in terms of them competing and being getting that number one spot it's going to be harder because of what other mm. people have got not what they've necessarily lost i i also think on that yeah it makes sense but also i think on that because you go you know you want make players feel like they're wanted right mm. and every player says that i want to feel wanted and now you could look at it both ways they put 500 they must want me they must really value me to be paying you know world record fee for me so half of us but for Man United to turn that down shows the value of the player and how much they, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? How much how it much means to the team and how much yeah. they want her to turn down a record bid. Yeah. So it's like, it, it's both yeah. ways. So she must be feeling good either way. The one that I feel in this whole transfer, whatever it was, Black Stenius for Arsenal, because she was a part of the swap deal with the money, mm-hmm. which now that for me, it's like, if I was to go back in the Arsenal team, which she did at the weekend mm-hmm. against West Ham, 
she can't feel half as wanted or valued as Russo did. Mm, 100%. Yeah, so that's it's, a, it's a tough one. It's and it's coming, one. isn't it? Because we talk about like women's game has this nice vibe. It's a community and, and we all like each other. And, you know, not, not all but of long. us. Not all of us. <laughs> it's coming, isn't it? You know, we're, we're starting to look at players as assets rather than humans. So it's, it's a really interesting like time right now. All right. On to the next question. I really liked from Fez underscore B. Um, are you excited for the upcoming Women's Nations League? And that was, we talked about that when they announced it. This is UEFA's Women's Nations League where they're having um, national team, it's like a national team tournament. So there's going to be higher quality and um, yeah, national teams playing all year round and taking the same windows that FIFA still has. So yeah, I'm really excited because I think it's been something that's been lacking in the game is really the structure for national teams to all develop at the same rate or at least progress because we've seen you know the Swedens and the Norways and the US's back in the 80s 90s early 2000s and then the Germanys started investing more money and when England started investing more money so it really is linked so much to how much investment is the federation putting in that then links to how good are they you know the world ranking whereas i think this is going to give a lot more national teams like a Jamaica that we were talking about today mm-hmm. on the pod and a New Zealand for example upper well, well not New Zealand and not Jamaica cuz they're not UEFA Conga but Concacaf yeah. <laughs> equivalent to be able to play more consistent games that are going to be funded. So you're not reliant on the, you know, to make an FA is not one, but the whatever it is, um, you know, Panama, Panama FA to be organizing games when, yeah. I think for me strategically, yes, because we want to see more games and we want to see internationals competing and, and getting better. The well-being piece in do we need more games and what players are having to deal with in terms of the stress on their bodies and the rest time and increase in injuries. I think for me, that still needs to be to be looked at. But yeah, everyone, everyone likes to watch football. So I guess it's just another opportunity to see how the game's developing, to see the players that you love and support, um, to get people out again and socialising and, and cheering on their country. But outside of that, I'm yeah, I'm not too sure in mm. terms of the well-being piece. I'm just having my my players hat on. Am I right in thinking it cuts out the friendlies that are already organised, but it adds games in with a higher quality in terms of the level of the the, the, the nation mm-hmm. that you are. So, yeah. so, so there's yeah. not additional. So there's games. more. There's no more additional games within the group. No, no, it's it's same more, amount of friendlies. It's the same amount of windows. Yeah, sorry, the windows are the, the same, windows. but you're cramming more games into that window because no. you're going to make it a group. No, no, not not additional games. So it'll be the same number of games. It'll just be that rather than them being able to choose, it'll be like more of a structure. So Nadine Kessler, who's the the mm-hmm. in charge of the women's, came out and that was one of the first things she said as a former player. Okay. Said it, it shouldn't impact. I'm not saying it won't. It may yeah. it may mm-hmm. do. Earth. I think mm-hmm. it's a really good point. She was saying it shouldn't impact players' health because that's was you know taken as a top priority. But so the same number of games. Cool. I mean, look, I think England. Yeah, for nations to progress, you have to firstly be playing. Like, so England, there's no point England playing against Wales, for example, in my opinion. Yeah, mm-hmm. because I think we're we're too advanced for them right now, currently. But for Wales to play teams in and around them, the likes of Scotland, for example, I think it would be a, quite a competitive game. It then gives you that stepping stone, and then you can build on that. Then mm-hmm. they can go and play the likes of like England. I just think that that gap is too big, and mm-hmm. it doesn't help the game. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Nations League but, is like. But it's one. Yeah, that's what it's to supposed to, to help. That's what right? I mean. Yeah, I knew that through the men's. It's to supposed to try like that. I know some nations. In order to get better, you have to play against yeah, better yeah. teams to know where you're at. So right. it's, it, it gives you a gauge. Mm-hmm. But and you can if you're trying to progress the game, you have you to. Can, you can get promoted, and yeah, get and relegated, relegated yeah. And yeah. So so you can. So there's yeah. an opportunity for them. That's what I'm saying. We'll yeah. Show whether they're good enough, too good for that group. Okay, I'm going to be in the next yeah. level. Or what a step yeah, yeah, yeah. Level. Cool. All right. Well, thank you, Fez underscore B. And that wraps up our Boots, Bowls and Brawls extra time. And thank you for your fan questions. As always, keep sending them in. We will be doing this, <laughs> depending on how many you send us, we will exponentially get uh, more answers to you. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys very much for this week. And we will see you next week. All the best. Until then. Adios, but ask us questions that you probably have never heard asked before. Yeah. Because that would be better to hear yeah. our opinion of that than like the ice should cream Gelton be in the England squad. <laughs> Let's ask some deep questions where you can get some good opinions. <laughs> Bye for now. Ciao. Bye. <laughs>
Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com code SUPER24.